It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, but perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. And welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from Easy Street here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I'm Philisco. And with us today is a writer and entertainment journalist and overall fan of pop culture, Ashley Spencer. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. And thank you for uh, for picking this because the the thing is we're doing every theatrically released movie in 1999. This was not theatrically released, however, uh, this was a pleasure, and it was also directed by a, an Oscar winning director, director yeah. 
Um, and I think that, you know, solidifies its bona fides in terms yeah. of why it's an important piece for what we do, mm-hmm. aside from just being a piece that came out in the particular year that we cover ex- exhaustively. So uh, I, I would also say, too, you know, for what it's worth, just because this was an enormous hit, <laughs> like in terms yes. of 27 million people watched this live aired on ABC for the wonderful world of Disney. Uh, that's pretty shocking. I mean, that's like basically Super Bowl numbers now. Um, so this is, this was not, I mean, yes, it didn't get released theatrically, as you said, Kenny, but like, this is not a small thing. Like I, I, I not I'm not sure that thing. I knew how big this was. Um, I know Ashley and, and people within I your, I, I actually knew, <laughs> but, but I think that within your age demographic, I have a fair amount of friends who love this movie, love this mm-hmm. rendition of it. Um, but I had no idea how popular it really was. Um, Kenny, you mentioned before we hopped on Mike that this is your favorite adaptation of Annie. Well, he, the thing with Annie is now I've never seen it. Uh, I've never seen a proper version on stage. Okay, I have seen several improper versions on stage. <laughs> Will Gluck's version, um, for instance, my, have you seen that uh, one? I I truly despise that. Um, but uh, my daughter was in a version of Annie. Uh, four months ago, okay. so the songs are very much in my head. I've seen the was original. She Annie? Was she? Annie? Oh, no, no let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> Wait, was she in it though? She well, look, it, there was only like it was like fourteen girls in the play, so they started basically doubling up on roles and whatever. So she right, was Mrs. Right. Greer and Drake and an orphan and oh, wow. uh, a Boylan sister. So wow, yeah, she does okay. it all. Yeah, so it, I mean, are some prime smaller roles. Yeah, I mean, when you when you put them all together, you got some good stuff. But there are, um, yeah, the, every basically every kid in the play had like like meat, right? They all had their song and That's their good. moment and whatever, good. and it was good. Um, but uh, so so that's Annie for me. I I don't like the original nineteen like eighty vert. 82? 82? Yeah. It's 82. Um, it kind of gives it me. It went the, rogue. 82 went rogue. I don't know yeah. what they were doing. It gives me the um, willies a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's creepy. It is. There's something just like, oh, even as a kid, because I definitely watched it as a kid, there was something that made me never want to watch it again. And I think the Will Gluck version is a is a disaster piece. It's a disaster. Yeah. It's, it's, but, yeah, I don't know what they were thinking on that one. Because, like, for a long time, forgive me, but, like, was there not a Jay-Z version because of his sure. song, right? Where sure. there was a moment I, I, when... I think this was the... This is the was he a producer on it? N- I don't know no. if he was... He was he, attached he originally. Yes, that's right. what I was going to um, say. Okay. I don't know that he stuck around to the end. Will Smith also, and it was originally going to star... Right. Um, Willow, yeah. Willow. Yeah. But things shifted, and and I don't know... I don't know if it would have, was ever going to be a masterpiece, but the modernizing <laughs> of Annie is an interesting thing to try yeah. and do. Um, yes. I think there are merits to that, but when you add in auto tune and suddenly daddy uh-huh. Warbucks is a cell phone yeah. tech mogul named Will Stacks, yeah. like it just, you're trying to be too cool with Annie and Annie is not cool. Yeah. That, that's kind of the thing. Like I was watching it last night and I was thinking about how deeply uncool this is. And yet how, undeniably charming and just 
good natured and like it's sort of bulletproof in its own way. And yet it seems like people have fucked it up in ways that are sort of confounding. Like, I don't know. I, I, I understand, you know, Jay-Z obviously had that big song. Forgive me. I don't know what the name of the song is. It's hard. Hard, 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 hard life. Okay. Part one. Yeah. Right. So he does his, which is a great song. And I can understand why he's like, fuck it. I'll produce an Annie, a modern Annie. Like in theory on paper, that sounds like a good idea. And then to your point, Ashley, then you actually get into the, you know, the meat of it. And you're like, we should, we shouldn't do this. Why, why are we doing this? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's some interesting things that play, like making her a foster kid rather than an orphan. Like that's relatable. You know, kids watching it might identify with that. Right. Um, but like when I was watching the 99 version, I yeah. think what struck me is just like, this is a made for Disney story. Like it's shocking that Annie wasn't a Disney property to begin with yeah. because it is a Cinderella fairy tale, yeah. happy ending, yeah. rags yeah. to riches. Like yep. it feels right. It feels like it belongs on Disney yeah. and uh, people that have tried to stray from that have done a, a disservice, including 82, which. Yeah. Even just like the villains in this feel like Disney villains. Do you know what I mean? Like Mrs. Hannigan and Rooster, they, they all feel very much of built from a Disney universe. Uh, I agree with you. It's surprising that that it took this long for Disney to do it. Now, that, that, forgive me, I haven't seen the 82 version. What is it that is so sort of Uncanny Valley about it? Or what is oh, it? Oh, Uncanny so- Valley is a really good, really good okay. term for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So... I saw 99 first. So I think you're, they're a little bit prejudiced probably with what you saw first and liked first. Right. Um, so I, I fell in love with 99. And then as a kid, I was like, Oh, there's more Annie's. I'll go watch 82. And I don't <laughs> even know that I made it all the way through that one at the time. Um, right. So 82, first of all, it had a $50 million budget in 1982 versus the 12 million they lot. had in 99. And I feel like yeah. they blew it because oh, it's a, it's um, a- big movie it's it's big it's big and it looks more cinematic it feels more like a proper movie than you know 99 feels like an nbc live musical in a lot of ways um but but what 82 did they they strayed from the broadway musical in a lot of ways so 1977 it opened on broadway became a huge hit they wanted to adapt it into a movie but instead of just kind of sticking to what made it magical which was a simple-ish story they pumped it up with like way more like there's i think you know the cold war was going on so there's like the bolsheviks bomb daddy warbucks house and like Mm. that happens the end is now this like high-speed chase with rooster chasing annie up a raised drawbridge he knocks out miss hannigan like it ends with her like sprawled maybe dead on the ground i think um there it's like a really it's almost like that final scene from the undoing like hugh grant like there's like a massive (laughs) chase um like they just tried to make it and maybe there was you know i'm sure there was studio pressure if you're going theatrical we need to like get the drama in there um but it just became really big also there's tons of racism they added these characters there's like um uh daddy warbucks has a, a servant named punjab who is like in uh, an Indian turban, but he's played by a Trinidadian American man and is just there to be silent and like do some magic things. It's like, it's so far from what Annie needs to be that it, it's da- daddy Warbucks is dancing on a pinhead to begin with. <laughs> and if daddy Warbucks <laughs> is, is not like morally, flawless the movie falls apart 
So, yes. I mean, yeah. cause, be, be, because, you know, he's a billionaire. So pretty, pretty good chance he's done some shit. <laughs> and, and he, you know, he really like, like, again, so I have a lot. I mean, I, I have some thoughts about Annie, which oh, go ahead, Ashley. Well, you're probably closer to the the stage show, having, I assume, watched your daughter in, in her recent production. Um, and I haven't actually seen a live show of it, I think, in my life. So I've only read about what the original was. But as far as I can tell, the original, like, politics are kind of baked into Annie. Like, there is a lot of FDR, and which isn't the Disney version. Like I Great know. Depression see, stuff, yeah. Yes, there is. But I think that the original Broadway show, like, Annie goes to, like, a Hooverville. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, mingles with, with different sorts of people. And then a big plot line is that she, they go to DC and she influences the new deal. Like FDR adopts the new deal because (laughs) Annie is so optimistic and it makes him. That is. Yes. Annie's got some Forrest Gump in her and uh, Annie's, Annie is a bit of a like almost magical character. In every other iteration, and I don't mean magical in terms of she has magic power, Forrest Gumpish character, and she yeah, has this, yeah. this ability to kind of just her presence charms the pants off everybody who's there. Mm-hmm. I want to make this very clear. None of the other Annies I find charming at all. This Annie I find extremely charming. Yeah. yeah. And she isn't she isn't utilized the same way as the other ones. Mm-hmm. She's just charming because she's a kid. She's not there's a purity like, to her. her there's, some, yeah. there's a very weird, like, there's a very weird streak running through the 82 Annie, which is like, Annie's going to kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, Annie's <laughs> angry in 82. And, she, and she's like fucking people off the left. She's always like this, right? <laughs> and it's this it's this weird thing where like, she and she's charmed, like she, mm. they play her as charming, but there's always this like, this, this like, uh, this strain of violence running through this character that is very, that was always very off putting to me as a kid. And then as an adult, I mean, this Annie is, is really playing it for very purely, very innocently, very naturally. And she really feels like a kid. I was totally taken with this performance. Yeah. Very Disney. I mean, to be fair, like maybe a kid that grew up in the orphanage that has been through what Annie's been through might be always, you know, fists up, have, sure. have with, more issues than what question. we see in 99 Annie. But I love 99 Annie, who is Alicia Morton. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, th- they really made her feel like a 99 kid. Like even to the, the hairstyle, she has that middle part kind of chin length bob, which was all the rage. I had one. Um, her her red hair is more of like brunette with Auburn, a tinge of... Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's more natural than than what we saw in the wig in, in 82. Um, so I think she felt like she could just be, you know, your friend. And yes, it's set in the, the depression, but like, it's not that different from your life. Whereas 82, she was like, their clothes, they were super dirty. Like they looked, it was like real rough. Well, it can was I, real rough. Sir, I was also, I think that, and again, having only seen this film and, and I, I couldn't finish the 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 recent one I tried, but I couldn't finish it. But um, this is a surprisingly grounded adaptation, all things considered, right? Like this is, this is still a musical and this speaks to Rob Marshall as his career progresses as well. This idea of him trying to find that delicate balance of 
you know, suspense of disbelief and what people are willing to go along with in a movie musical. I mean, Chicago, you know, famously, everything takes place inside her head, which gives them the freedom to be able to kind of do whatever they want to do and, and not break that sort of people singing for no reason rule that audiences seem to have for some ungodly reason. But this I don't film, care about that rule. No, I know it? you don't. I know. Yes. I, and neither do I, to be clear. But I, I just think that it's interesting that this adaptation feels like no one is overly cartoonish. I feel like never when, no one crosses some sort of threshold into becoming a living cartoon character, despite the fact right. that it is a very theatrical piece. Like, I think that, like, there's a version of this where Kathy Bates is much bigger and much crazier, yes. right? Like, there's a yeah, version it, of this where... You should, you should see Carl Burnett's performance. Right, which well, I'm that, well, that's the other main difference, is that Carol Burnett in, in the 82 version is an alcoholic and kind of more like a, almost like a brothel madam. Like, she's very, yes. you know, uh, yes. saucy and, and that's up for the anything. Vibe. And uh, Kathy Bates, God, I think, you know, she crazy. said... I, I would recommend actually watching it just so you I can should, understand check it out now, the depth sure. of depravity. But um, uh, Kathy Bates, I think, you know, she said she saw her Miss Hannigan as just like exhausted, like a middle-aged woman who right. was just like had enough and is tired. And I think that's part Which of the realism feel. as well. Yeah. Like you can relate to that more maybe than than what Carol Burnett And then at doing. the other end of the um, spectrum, you have the, the Cameron Diaz performance, which is, which is which much more in line with, Kath, with Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett, she but also like became essentially an internet meme for, for a brief time there where everyone was just like, how did this get so far a lot like how did we lose this like the thread just got lost well the thread i i mean i do think that it's it's somewhat instructive i think we were talking about it in the beginning but um jay-z broke annie a little bit um <laughs> by using it right like yes yes uh that sample should never have been used on a jay-z record not for any other reason other than it made it something in the pop culture's consciousness Mm -hmm. that pop culture was not able to square with its source material. Mm -hmm. And proof of that is the 2014 movie where they tried to take that song and make a movie out of it, essentially. And it's a disaster. Like, the thing about 99 Annie and Annie the the musical, and I actually use the term magic, and I do think it's magic, to some extent, is that it's about as simple a, a story yes. as you can as you can come up with for a Broadway musical. And the the secret of this musical is it only like kind of exists as like a cake pan for these incredible songs. Like there are there are four or five really wonderful Broadway numbers yes. in this. And then the thing that Rob Rob Marshall brought to it that he deserves all the credit in the world for is some incredibly beautiful and 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 complicated choreography that was that was with kids with, with the the the, um, the orphan song is amazing yeah mm-hmm. the uh, you're 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 never the hard knock un- life the buckets hard knock life was great but uh, and- what the hell is it called? Sorry, it's I called think, a I, think you're smile. Gonna like it here. That's, oh, you're, yeah, you're never fully dressed. You're never fully dressed without a smile yeah. was really great. So that's stuff with kids. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I, I was just on, um, I was on You're Missing Out and I talked about Top Hat and, uh, what, uh, what I love about choreography and dancing in, in show, in television and movies and whatever is it's the original special effect. 
It's the original, yeah. like you're sitting there and you feel like you're watching magic. And I do get the sense that Rob Marshall understands that. Um, so that's that, that's the part yes. of, that's what I really loved about this, even though this is like, a, this is almost like a review, like a review of, of Annie, right? This mm-hmm. is, this is not Annie. I mean, and I don't care that it's not the story yes. of Annie. It's kind yes. of a silly story. But the the beats, if you line them up, hardly make sense. There's almost no character um, progression in this movie. There's almost no sure. evolution. Uh, there's no growth. None of it matters to me. Uh, I don't Daddy care. Warbucks comes around. He only wanted a boy orphan, and now he's happy for a beat. For a beat, like a, for, <laughs> yeah, for a line. For like a second, and um, only because he only because he's a dope. He didn't realize there are such things as girls. Yeah, he's not the brightest. We, we're not sure how he got the how he made all but. his millions. I I, I do yeah. want to just take a second to talk about Rob Marshall because yes. you know, Kenny, you you brought it up, but I I, I want to kind of hone in on what I think he's very very good at. And what I would argue he's not particularly good at. Um, I, I think that to your point, Kenny, he completely understands like this is just a bunch of bangers. Like these are great songs. Get out of the way. Let them sing them. Let the songs be the thing that speaks volumes. We'll have great dance, but like it's not it's not particularly showy. Admittedly, you you did say earlier actually only had twelve million dollars, so who knows? And we've seen what he can do with hundreds of millions of dollars. But I do think that there is something very clean about this, Kenny, in the sense he's just like let the songs speak for themselves. The songs are great, and I would argue that he's shown that moving forward as well. I think he knows that Chicago is a great musical, right? And if I get out of the way, it's gonna be fine. I think what he gets and what I actually really like about him as a director, because I think Chicago's pretty good. Um, I don't think it's the best, but I think it's like pretty good. Very good. Like, like somewhere, yeah, somewhere between pretty good and very good. Right. Yeah. Um, I think what he, what I like about him is you feel we've done a few plays that were adapted. And whenever you have a play that's adapted, you have that criticism of it just feels like a film, feels like a filmed play. But with movie musicals, Directors almost always go in the other direction, which is take it outside, build the world up, add these extra elements. And I, as a counterweight, I like the idea of it just feels feels like a film stage musical. That's what I love about Chicago. That's what I love about Bob Fosse productions. And that's what I really like about this. And this, again, is not, you know, in any way this doesn't have the raciness of a Fosse musical, of course. Mm-hmm. But I like that this feels like the kind of thing that would make a young person, uh, so, you know, a 10, sure. 11, 12, 13 year old want to investigate Broadway more. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. cool to me. Mm-hmm. That This yeah. is a great entryway. So mm-hmm. can I it ask is- you a question, Kenny, since you, sorry, Ashley, just because Kenny brought something up and I wanted to just uh, quickly uh, follow up on it. You brought up Fosse. Kenny's a very big Bob Fosse fan. Um, Rob Marshall essentially kind of launches his career on a revival of Cabaret on Broadway, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. starring Alan Cumming, who is then yep. in this. Um, yeah. And then he does Chicago. I would argue that Rob Marshall's greatest weakness might very well be that I don't particularly think he has anything a vision of his own yet. Like, I don't know if you show me a frame of a Rob Marshall movie, I'm not sure that I could tell you what it is. He's a little bit invisible as a filmmaker and he kind of got his bona fides 
riding Bob Fosse's coattails. So what, not, what are your not thoughts a, on that? Not a bad guy's coattails to ride. No, no, no. And, yeah. and just very few people do it and have done it. Uh, yeah. I think he's trying very hard to find his own visual style. Um, and I think you you watch a movie like Nine and you can see the ways in which he's trying to break out and the ways in which he's trying to differentiate himself, and, sure. you know, kind of use use what's available to him as a modern filmmaker. And uh, Nine's just not a very good musical. So, nine doesn't exist, Kenny. If you, yeah. I, I don't think that people nine know that I've erased what happens in Nine. I, I, <laughs> well, nine it's, it's just eight and, and burlesque. <laughs> in my mind, those two movies oh, are well, kind of like yeah. you know, the same. I, I world. think there, there are people who there are people who would riot if they heard you were. I know. I, know. <laughs> I think if you, if you went on Twitter right now and you're like, "Hey guys, did you know that Daniel Day Lewis was in a musical directed by Rob Marshall?" People would be like, "Really? I, yeah. I have no idea." And, Kate, and yeah. Kate Hudson was the best part. What were you going to say? Actually, sorry. About it. Well, I think you know it's important to note that 1999 Annie is Rob Marshall's directorial debut. Like it is. this is his first TV or movie yeah. anything. He yeah. came from theater. He came from choreography, um, which is obviously um, evident in his his work. But um, he had choreographed the 1997 Brandy Whitney Cinderella, Cinderella and that's mm-hmm. what led him to doing this. And apparently, on that set, he was you know, basically acting as a director in many moments. And, and the producer said, Hey, maybe he can handle this. So that, that this was his launch pad to everything was yeah, Annie. It was for sure. For sure. And, and, and I mean, you know, I know that we keep saying this, but it should be said, like there's real competence here. Kenny and I have watched smart house. Okay. So we, we've, <laughs> we've been in the smart house. We've seen, we've been what, in the smart great house. Movie, great movie. Uh, we, we've, uh, I mean, I have watched Xenon these Disney channel movies aren't necessarily of the highest quality, let's just say. And I think that, Kenny, would you agree that Rob Marshall's direction here is better than LeVar Burton's direction of Smart House? Yeah, at the at the <laughs> at the risk of insulting you, LeVar, LeVar Burton's number one fan. Yes, I think he. I think he. I think he exceeded LeVar LeVar's direction of uh, Smart House. But again, he had twelve million dollars, and I think LeVar yeah. had twelve thousand. Yeah, and Lamar was working with you know an original script, an original Disney. It's like Rob true. was given a leg up with an it's established, true. you know, yeah, beloved absolutely. story yeah. to tell. But I um, think that it's it's a testament to what we were talking about in terms of it takes it takes a good director to know when not to direct. Do you know what I mean? And when like you've got a great thing, and as we're all saying, like you you really can't like you have hard knock life. Just let the kids sing hard knock life I, and you're right. going to be fine. Yeah, I, I, I do. I really, really do love almost every, I think I love every aspect of this. Yeah. And I, I, I think the, it, I think it's deceptively simple. I think it deceptively yeah. seems like he got out of the way. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it can be overstated that uh, every single thing in this movie is uh, a set that is a designed set. I think it's cool that it's all, you know, on a back lot. It reminds me of, you know, those early 80 movies or 80s movies I love, like uh, Little Shop. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has that same kind of vibe, which I think is another really strong adaptation totally. with a really horrible ending that I will <laughs> destroy me forever. <laughs> At least they didn't change the ending on this one. At least they were gifted a happy ending and they didn't have a happy to, ending. You know, they, yeah. But you bring this up and it's worth noting they kind of tried to change the ending because apparently yes. they shot, they did a reshoot of the end because Disney was a little worried about an interracial couple. 
so they shot a version of this where they don't end up together. And that's, Victor that's Garber specifically good for acted so terribly in it, so they couldn't use it, essentially. Knowing that, so well, that's yeah. criminal. That's criminal. Yeah. And so many Audra, because I mean, Audra McDonald, so I think, good. is one of the best oh. parts of this movie. So and they good. plumped up her role because she has the voice of an angel. And so they gave her <laughs> yeah. that tomorrow. Yeah. Um, you know, part Reprise. two to, to yeah. do. Yes. Um, and, but I think, you know, she said, yes, they called everyone, the cast and crew back in on a Saturday to do this reshoot because some executive, um, was worried about certain markets. Cause again, it was a TV movie. So, you know, they're catering to, you know, the masses on Sunday night. Um, and, uh, that she, she kind of praised Rob Marshall and said that he, uh, only did one take and he knew if he did one take they can't oh, wow. use it they didn't have enough shots and so that he was like did one take and then because he had everyone there he started just doing cleanups on other scenes and had them shoot you know redo some oh. other stuff to make those better um and then they they turned in the footage to say yeah we shot it and they were like well can't use that um and then of course it came out like there was no uproar no one cared like everyone loved audra so wow, um, she's amazing <laughs> I, and then i i don't necessarily I don't blame anybody for this, but it's it's noticeable that they don't kiss. And those mm-hmm. characters always kiss. So that is a bit of a bummer to me sure, um, sure. as well. Uh, you know, I, I it almost it almost defeats the purpose um, at that point. You know, it defeats any 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 progress you're making by casting an interracial couple at the end by not having them do what's scripted in every other version of this uh that really does stand out to me as um making concessions to the bad people yeah i agree it's interesting too because cinderella like we mentioned came out two years earlier and that was you know very colorblind casting brandy whitney um, I think you have a Filipino prince. Victor Garber is still in it as the king. He's, yeah. he's back again. Um, Whoopi Goldberg. Like you've got this amazing progress and, yeah. and really just without commentary, just, just having that representation. And then in this version, they diversified the orphans. They, you know, kind of did that classic thing where some background players will, will make this a bit more inclusive, but you know, they went with a white Annie and, and a white Miss Hannigan and a white rooster and a white Lily. Um, so in, in a way it was, you know, two steps back from what they've done before, um, which, and the irony being and also that we should say Cinderella as big as Annie, sorry, as big as Annie was okay. in the ratings, Cinderella was like 60 million. It was the biggest yeah. of all time. It was a huge hit, which is why Annie Disney, Annie even exists. Um, so to, to think that there will be any, issue um with that seems like a, a big misstep on their part it's very odd i mean i was i was literally just gonna t- I, I was literally just gonna say that it's it's strange that you have this enormous success in cinderella in 97 with all the diversity that you're speaking of actually and then to be like you know to try to pump the brakes is bizarre let me just give a quick synopsis uh, for people who have not seen annie uh in this tv version of the broadway musical classic comic strip character annie is rescued from the misery of mrs hannigan's orphanage by grace farrell whose employer curmudgeonly tycoon oliver warbucks has decided to take uh in an orphan for christmas the search for annie's biological family begins in earnest when warbucks decides to offer a cash prize to her parents if only they reveal themselves them Themselves and return to her. It premiered on the Wonderful World of Disney on ABC on November seventh, nineteen ninety nine, and it's been on ABC as well as ABC Family Stars on the Hallmark Channel. And as we mentioned, uh, twenty six point three million viewers tuned in. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a couple production things that are worth talking about. Kristen Chenoweth originally auditioned for Annie back in the day. I think it was for the eighty two version of Annie, if I'm not mistaken. To be uh, little Annie. 
which I think mm-hmm. is amazing, uh, mm-hmm. but was turned down because her Southern accent was too thick, apparently, which I think is just thinking of a tiny Kristen Chenoweth sounding like Kristen Chenoweth, I think is just amazing. Because I, I think her voice probably sounds the same. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, they changed a couple things from prior versions. There are four songs, including the original Annie song, which was not on the Broadway score. Uh, there's a subplot involving Sandy going missing in the original musical. Um, the White House Tomorrow reprise, which was replaced by a scene involving Grace, Farrell, and Annie. Um, and the ending is subtly changed in that Mrs. Hannigan, not Lily St. Regis, pretends to be Mrs. Mudge. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently in 2016 on NPR with Terry Gross, Anna Kendrick said that she auditioned for a role in this TV movie, which I think is also amazing. Uh, the little yeah. girl from uh, one of the orphans is in Modern Family. Sarah Highland. Yeah. Sarah Highland. Molly. Also, La Lane from Lizzie McGuire, who played her best friend Miranda. Oh. She's another orphan. That's amazing. Um, Great, great I was, role. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was watching it last night with my roommate, and we were just like, if only Sarah Hyland knew how unbelievably rich she was going to be for residuals <laughs> on Modern Family. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, I just think it's, so I want to talk for a second just about sort of the historical components of this, because we've talked a little bit about how, like, this movie sort of hardwired in the Great Depression, takes place in 1933. Um, so there is this sort of, it is, I don't. I mean, is it a commentary on wealth? I mean, there is these orphans. No. There is the sort of haves and haves nots. I mean, you don't think that there's anything going on there? Yeah, well, was, the rich people tale. come off looking good. Like the the that's what I, that's, the that's, lesson yeah. isn't like the corrupt Being billionaire. Is the lesson is like if you can get really lucky, one will take you into his fold. <laughs> this, I think, it needs to be kind of stated up front. Like yeah. this isn't high art. Like, no, I'm not, is, I'm not saying it is. No, I know. This is this is Annie, right? This is this is this is training wheels. This is Broadway training wheels. And and that's fine. Like the 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 value of Annie to our current culture is that it is a play with uh where the where the many of the main roles <laughs> are young girls. Yeah. Uh the people who generally are going out for plays in elementary school and uh, middle school. And it it really works well as a local elementary school and middle school play. And it's a good way to get your to, to get your feet wet in this world. And I think there's value in that. Like there's For value, sure. like there's value in T ball and kickball. Like these <laughs> things matter it, it absolutely matters. But to it's definitely not the place to go looking for like commentary on the haves or have nots or the, you know, the evils of capitalism or anything like that, because it really is just a fairy tale. It is a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale with a rich dad instead of a handsome prince. And, and any, any criticism lobbed at this almost misses the point because it's as I said. It is just the container you put these b- wonderfully calibrated Broadway elements into. You have big characters, big roles, great sets, great costumes. Right. You know, clearly defined motivation, clearly defined goals, um, and you have great songs that are in the range of most people. I think yeah. it, it should it should also be said too, and to sort of underline what you were saying a little bit earlier, Kenny. All the what you just said is all the things that the remakes didn't understand about mm-hmm. it, 
right? Like the idea they is- They tried to make it more than it was. Right. Like Andy exactly. doesn't need to be bigger than this. You know what I mean? Like oh, Andy this- doesn't need to be chased up, a, you know, a, a, a roof. Andy doesn't need to, I mean, it's just, it's just interesting that, that, you know, sometimes just neither does much. neither does Cinderella. By the way, like the, right. if like the, the the versions of Cinderella that work are very you know are, are very uh, narratively clean mm-hmm. um, and don't really deal with how kind of creepy a lot of the politics are and sure. all that stuff. And I'm not I'm not really advocating that this type of art is essential. What I'm ad what I, what I'm simply doing is just acknowledging that it exists. And as long as we call it what it is, uh, it is not and, – and acknowledge the places where it falls short. Sure. It's not, like, as dangerous as I think some people, like, make this stuff out to be. Um, and we'll talk about this when we talk about Little Mermaid as well. Uh, but it's not – there are some people who think, like, some of these fairy tale things are dangerous yeah. for kids. I don't think that's you true. Mean, I think Malcolm Gladwell? Do you think that he thinks that they're dangerous? I think Malcolm kids? Gladwell – we'll talk about that a lot when we talk about it. Um, I think Malcolm Gladwell, you know, just is a little bit of a misreading of the little. He's bird. basically he's little Annie. He's always got his fists <laughs> up, like really, like that's what Malcolm Gladwell is now. He's like, ah, who? Uh, and and he's punching he's punching the wrong people. I think sometimes, but just, uh, but yeah, I, I I that's that's kind of what I think. I think it's I think there is some value in terms of this is a great place to start loving theater. That's it. I mean, it's a a child in the title role. Like it, you know, there's a lot of musicals and a a lot of theater that have iconic supporting kid actors or roles for kids. Like, I mean, I love the music man and like, yeah, like there's, there's little kids on the side, but to have a movie or a play that centers a child where you, you know, if you were a theater loving kid or who imagined like, Oh, I could be a star. Like that's to, to see kids like, living the dream both in getting the part and being in the middle of this world. And then also, you know, within the story, Annie having the central role and having the happy ending. And like, that's doesn't, this I is mean, the I one. Think it happens more now. Kids programming is a lot more common, but especially when this first came about in the seventies, like it was pretty, pretty radical. Yeah. This is, this is the one I, I, this is the only one I can think of um, that really centers a child like this. And I think it's also worth noting, I mean, actually what you're saying, um, there was no imperative back then. The idea of kids programming wasn't a thing. It was Sesame right. Street, and that was that was it. You were watching what your parents were watching. So this came to be because people thought it was a really great, really accessible, really you know, a commercially viable story, not because of any weird cynical pandering like sure. you see right. now. Yeah. Um, the only other Broadway thing I could think that does center a child, even though it um, it changes midway through is the lion king the first half of the lion king Mm. really is about young simba and it is that same kind of like those young simba roles because it was always kind of shared between three child actors and i think same with andy was shared with two or three but those were always kind of almost shocking matilda now is matilda yeah yeah um but i mean that's interesting with lion king too because one of the writers on the 99 annie was a co-writer on the lion king and the hunchback oh, of yeah, so like there was some crossover with Disney, and I think even um, Mr. Bundles, the laundryman, is mm-hmm. uh, Ernie Sabella, who was the yeah. yeah the voice of Pumbaa. Yeah. So they kind of brought that back. But um, Bundles has a much bigger role in the in the thing. I, it's, it's weird to bring Ernie Sabella in for you know <laughs> for one, one scene yeah. and no songs because yeah. I love the way that guy sings. But oh, you know, 
That's um, the weird thing about Kristen Chenoweth in this too. Who's, yeah, she doesn't really get to uh, sing much either. Who's no, a, I mean, like, she was. But she's such a genius. Like she's such a Broadway genius. It's crazy. At that time, she would have been the least known to TV yeah. audiences of the. I mean, everyone in this well, Audra too, main I cast, I believe, yeah. had won Tonys um, already, multiple right. Tonys. Some of them. Uh, Alicia Martin, who played Annie, she had been on Broadway in Les Mis as Cosette. Um, so, oh, cool. like, they all had that that background but i would say Kristen probably they were thinking let's get kathy bates in more scenes and that's why they rewrote that ending to put kathy on more um and give her more screen time but going back just to the the kid thing it's also i think the 1982 version showcases a lot um that maybe child labor laws and uh what you could do with kid actors was different then like there i I was re-watching it and i mean kids are like slapping each other like there is like and i don't think it's a fake slap like these are like kind of just stepping on their heads there i don't know if they hired professional gymnasts or they just had the kids doing backflips for fun but the choreography i mean the orphan choreography as good as rob marshall was in 99 Go back and watch 82 it Hard Knock Life. Good. They are doing like insane flips yeah. and twists and like Simone Biles esque, like in the background, just like tons of randoms that you never I see. I agree again. with and you. Also, That's pretty cool. The cast of Orphans was like 50 plus. This yeah. one, maybe there's 10, like more of a theatrical yeah. thing, but they went big on the Orphans in 82. And I have, I'm sure it was a whole mess of, of possible child abuse. And guys, what was going I got to watch there, this but. movie. You guys are making me really, I got I mean, it sounds insane. I, I want to ask though, what is your favorite Annie song? Not your favorite. I want to say well, before that because I want to do this. Have you ever seen Robert Altman's Popeye? Yes. Same kind of vibe. So very uncanny Valley. Yes, it's the same kind of vibe. Unwholesome. Like, it, it's not as crazy as Popeye, which is right. Fucking nuts. Yeah, but Popeye's it's that crazy. same. It's that same. Like you're doing the wrong thing here. <laughs> All right, I'll go ahead. Let's let's do our favorite. My question songs. was, what's your favorite song from Annie? Not your favorite like set piece from this movie, like just the song. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Because, like, for me, I don't know that you can do better than tomorrow. Like, 
I, I know favorite. it's a little saccharine. I know it's a little bit, but it's just like. Ashley, I anyway, can tell by the look on your face. I think we have the same. No, one. I mean, t- well, I've got two, I think. But well, let me preface this by saying, okay. and we can talk about the soundtrack as well. I had the yeah, CD yeah. to 99. The CD was uh, played out in my three-piece stereo in my room. <laughs> um, so I I'm, I'm going to write it. Soundtrack. I'm going to write it down on a piece of paper, the one I think you're going to pick. Oh, okay. 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 Um, so I did, I did fall in love with the songs separate from just watching them on screen. It became about what I could listen to and not get sick of. And um, I, I was a, a weird kid who um, loved theater and wanted to be a theater kid, but I wasn't actually talented enough or confident enough. I was way too scared. So I didn't actually do the, the like plays at school, but I would sing along at home. So I pretend that I had the any control. Anyway, so for me, singing in my room, there is no better song than I think I'm going to like it here and NYC. Oh, wow. I was wrong. Wow. Which what I kind of saying? roll those together. Oh, NYC we would not be, interesting. We, we, we would not it's be greater than Newlywed Game. I don't know if you can read what I wrote. It says maybe. Oh, oh, okay. Wait, also maybe. Wait, there's so <laughs> many. I mean, what a song to start on, too. If you want to, like, relate to Annie and get the tug on your heartstrings moment, maybe it's superior to tomorrow. I would put those in the ballad. So, like, uh, yeah, yes. so I was picking a ballad. When you when sure. you had that response to tomorrow, I was almost sure you were going to pick maybe. Sorry. But- yes. I would say between the ballads, maybe. Absolutely wins. But, I mean, here's but- here's what's amazing, right? You, I, I think that to show how deep this musical goes, none of us are picking Hard Knock Life, which is still a stone cold classic right like that's still a song that like if you said yes sing me a song from annie that's probably the song that people know or tomorrow yeah. but there but but there oh, you, even easy street like yeah. Alan Cumming, like the, the bridge it's of a easy great street number, there's so man. many good moments yeah, yeah. it's a great um, it, easy street's never been better than in this version um yeah. it's very very good and because not the auto-tude bobby cannavale uh, no. version you sure <laughs> I, the, the, Wait, the who is it? In, is that, Bobby Cannavale and who? But the thing about that version is I love almost everybody in that cast so much too. But it wasn't that I was looking forward to it. You could tell from the um you could tell from the trailers how terrible it was. Oof. But it's it's a great cast. You know, the thing about the I'm gonna go back to what I'm saying. It's a great cast and I love them. They're all miscast. Annie, when it's filmed, is supposed to be pulling the best from Broadway. You just right. are. That's more than almost anything else. You just should pull the biggest and the best from Broadway. At the very least, if you're going to update Annie for a brave new world, pull the best pop stars. Do a Brandy Whitney. Like get, you know, pull yeah. some some yeah, dream proven groups. singers. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, is there yeah, like a- is, they're, they're all great, but they're not the strongest is, singers. So we, well, obviously, this the the twenty fourteen Annie was a disaster, right? But is there a version of Annie, a, a, a Lin Manuel Miranda version of Annie, or something along those lines, where like you actually can successfully try to bridge that sort of diversity and try to kind of you know ha- do something more with with just you know different types of people. I don't know if the answer, I don't, I mean, I'm certainly not necessarily pitching this. I'm just saying, like, I think that's kind of what they thought they were doing. The answer is, of course, there is. There's always, right, okay. you know, yeah. like, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I, I would never say no. You never know right. what's going to, you never know what an artist is going to do with something. Right. But, um, but 
I would I would keep the I would keep the 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 story as simple and the the core as pure as right. possible. Right. But again, you just you never know. I, I, right. I so. Yeah, I mean, well, NBC, that is this year's live holiday musical is Annie. And we've got Taraji P. Oh, Henson right. as Mrs. Hannigan. Perfect um, cast. Titus Burgess as Rooster and Nicole Scherzinger as, okay. no, as Grace. Um, and Harry Connick Jr. as Daddy Warbucks. So they're getting, I mean, I think okay. Nicole Scherzinger is possibly that. trained and maybe an opera singer in a pad. Like, I think she has the chops. Oh, Nicole, um, Nicole Scherzinger is an incredible performer. Yeah. I know it sounds and, crazy, but... <laughs> I stumbled upon, I think it was a YouTube video or something where someone was, I think it was a Twitter, I think it was a a tweet where someone retweeted something, which was essentially like, don't sleep on Nicole Scherzinger. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. What she is capable of is shocking. But again, like, this is not the, this is not the role where you shine. Um, This is not, this is not the flashiest role, but that's, uh, we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Actually, let me look like well, because 99 Audra, like that was my introduction to Audra McDonald. That made me yeah. love Audra McDonald and want to see whatever she was in. So I feel like it, again, my favorite song. I, I think I'm going to like it here. Like that gives Grace a big song to sing. Um, true. And, a big and it's potentially moment. a great, it's potentially a great production too. You're the first well, time I mean, you're in the, the house thing. and yeah. Yeah. And you've so is got, this, this so is this, for Fox. Is this what you said? Foxes or who in, is it? NBC, NBC. NBC live musical and it's got uh neil Marin, who was one of the producers on mm-hmm. cinderella and r99 annie um back so i'm assuming they're gonna do it pretty true to what we're used right. to with annie and not go radical um with modernizing to uh will stacks and his cell phone empire but <laughs> and, and they've got a newcomer annie selena smith um who is a black okay. annie so you know diversifying again in the main roles which is is good That's to great. see and they they yeah. only you know because it's live and this version had the had the vibe of something that yeah. felt it obviously wasn't but it had that vibe of something that was being performed performed in the moment because that's mm-hmm. live you can't do you can't put on too many bells or whistles no matter what it's going to feel grounded and terrestrial and I I I, I think the live musical thing is cool and interesting I don't love it. I don't love it in the I don't love it in the sense that it is completely usurped the idea of doing what they did with Annie and Cinderella. No. It's, there should also be a lane for filmed and edited TV musicals, but I, I mean, I feel like with a live TV musical, a, a big draw. To be honest, you're watching in case something goes wrong. I mean, yeah, that's the live TV show. You want to see if they forget the lines, if they don't hit the note, if a set piece falls in the background. Um, I don't feel like I revisit live TV musicals. I watch them when they happen. I don't have, you know, Grease and the Allison Williams, Peter Pan, you know, in my library well, to return to. Um, whereas, Grease was good. You know, I thought Grease was pretty good. Grease was good. Grease was yeah, good, Grease but do you rewatch good. it all the time? I don't know. No. I don't no. think well, you I watched love it the sound. It's, yeah. it's still, Grease is another one that... Uh, the, you know, I don't like Greece. I think Greece. I think Greece actually is kind of dangerous, to be honest. I, I think, think the le- soundtrack is superior to Greece, the movie or the actual musical. That's what I was kind of going to get at. That again, it's another cake pan. Uh, but I, I, I'm so, I'm so disillusioned by the end of that movie. 
by the final conclusion of what you're supposed to do in order to <laughs> yeah. make your life better that uh that it kind of it, it kind of kills a lot of what they're doing but the music's incredible and the dancing is incredible and i just like to forget about the end of the movie and just yeah, pretend that and then, just, no not that they fly away i know the, the flying know, away I, is I awesome that, the that, transformation fly, that she turns the, into the a pig lady of <laughs> i understand, I understand. Yeah. and but i mean as much as annie let Oh, sorry. No, please, please, go please, please, please go. No, well, no, please, any, go. any like kids shine and Greece lets like 45 year olds play high schoolers. So <laughs> there's really no, no chance to relate to that's fun too. Though. That's a young person. I love when you get like a 55 year old Kaniki out there. It's like, Oh, Joe Piscopo's <laughs> playing Kaniki. Amazing. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> what I was going to say though, about the Peter Pan with, uh, with Allison Williams is that I, I only watched about 10 minutes of it because it was just, it was impossible to actually watch rough, the entire thing rough. was that it felt like it was Marnie from, from girls yeah. like i couldn't help but think that it was some sort of weird girls extended universe where marnie is in this fucking musical it was some of the strangest and then i love allison williams i love girls and i love marnie sure. and i think sure. it was some of this and i don't i don't think she's like in a vacuum not a bad choice but she only was known for one thing. It was so, and it so was not bizarre. this thing. Not this you know, thing. it was not not something that anybody who, uh, well, not anybody, but any child who would want to watch Peter Pan would have any sense of. It was very. And odd. the one thing she was known for, she played a bad singer on it. Like she did a bad song. So you get the person <laughs> known for yeah. doing a bad song to be your star in a thing where she should sing a good song. It's and the so Chris Walken stuff was just <laughs> terrifying. Like, it was one of those things where you're just like, what are we doing? How, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I want to just talk for a second about Christian Chenoweth because there's a moment in this in this Annie that I love where um, where she's bullied by the orphans, <laughs> which only works because Christian Chenoweth is the height of an orphan. So you're just you actually believe that she could be bullied by a group of like seven year olds. Oh. Uh, it's fantastic. It's a great I, I mean, moment. I, I I do have to ask about the the. The FDR stuff at the end, um, where where Franklin Roosevelt shows up. There's a little and- more, but yeah, that's a, yes. That when I say it's a review, that's what I mean. It's just kind of like Andy greatest hits. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. But it's it's it's. I've never like a Deus Ex Machina that Franklin Roosevelt is amazing to me. Like where you're just like pulled this guy out of a hat and he's going to solve all the problems. He's going to find parents for all these orphans. He's going to make sure that we're in the middle of the great depression, but he's going to make sure these kids find parents. I just, I loved it. It's insane. Like, like more than anything, it's just a testament to, to reinforce how, uh, powerful daddy warbucks is that he has got the president on speed dial that he comes to his house and he's there, like okay. you know travels across state lines um mm-hmm. but i think in the, the musical like there's more fdr like there are more songs yes. about fdr there's more he's woven in to a greater degree and i think disney being disney obviously like kind of just pulled back on the politics stripped it of any sort of too complicated notions right. not that they were doing deep deep stuff with fdr <laughs> but um yeah, and, and Brand Judge Brandeis, I think, is like there's historical yes, figures yes. that they, um, the like uh, FBI, like there there are all kinds of people that they they bring into the fray. What's kind of fun about it, I think, is how when this came out in the late seventies, I don't think it was that weird. I think I don't think I don't think it played. I, I obviously it's crazy. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it played that crazy. I think it kind of played. It's just. 
Sure, FDR is a character in this musical. <laughs> I think there's also just you, you mentioned this a little bit, uh, Ashley, but like this movie can only be 90 minutes. It's airing on ABC. They have a certain amount of right, 90 minutes. It has to. It just has to be in this tight box. So to your point, FDR is going to be like, "Here's FDR, Mr. Davis X Machina." Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. I I, I want to so in. The 82 version, Mrs. Hannigan is perhaps killed. Hard to say. She might come back. I don't remember. I, she definitely, there is a shot of her like splayed on the ground while they shimmy right. away. And she had been knocked unconscious over the head by her croony rooster. Um, She's a cockroach. It's more She's not going anywhere. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but so there, in this version, it does feel like she's being carted off to like a psychiatric, psychiatric hospital. Yes, or she definitely is. Yes. But they don't. But it definitely feels that way. Like they Hannibal Lecter her basically and put her on like a cart, and they kind of like. So it's it's a little you know it's insinuated. Um, mm. In the eighty two version, does, it, does she get taken away, or is the last we see of her? I'm just curious as to considering how dark this eighty two version is. I'm just wondering how they wrapped up arguably the darkest character of the movie. I think she's either dead or goes to jail. I, she's not. She's not treated. She's not rehabable. Okay. okay. Um, right. <laughs> no, I don't think. Okay. I can't remember. I think maybe Rooster and Lily are also in jail. I don't remember. Okay. Um, All right. Fair part. enough. Fair enough. But uh, it's definitely bleaker. But I, I will say, Kenny, just yes. to your uh, this is not art argument, and that Annie uh, doesn't, you know, get any. This is not high art. Of course, it's high art. Okay, it's not high art. It did win ninety nine. Annie I won know. two Emmys. Uh, it had a Golden Globe, I mean, whatever it's worth. It had a Golden Globe nomination for <laughs> Kathy Bates. Um, you know, it had critical acclaim in a way. The 82 version, we, we should note, was panned by critics. Critics hated the 82 film. It was seen as, you know, derivative and, and bad. And um, 99, overwhelmingly, they liked it. As, as I want, you know, yeah, I want to make this clear. I want to make, I want to make it clear what I what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, the property Annie. I don't think lends itself to quote unquote high art. Mm-hmm. That being said, like, I think this is a very successful piece of work. Um, and I, I mean, I, it won two Emmys. It also won a Peabody, you know, mm-hmm. which is, which is not nothing. It's pretty important. So it was, a, it was really, really well done. And I think art goes beyond. Uh, what the movie is saying thematically and what it's uh, what it's doing narratively, and I think this is a really good example of that. That the uh, the the physical production and the the physical work, like the choreography, is just exceptional. And it's a it's a, just a really really wonderful ninety minutes. It breezes by. So I think, yeah, I do. I think this is the best version of Annie I've 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 ever seen. Um. And I think it's really good. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of musicals like Cats that you could do the greatest possible version of it, and I would still think it's a heaping pile of shit because I think Cats is just the worst thing uh, on the the book of Cats is as bad uh, as Cats. Uh, but um, but Annie's not like that. Cats. I think Annie. I think Annie's more malleable. Malleable, yeah. and I think you're able to fuck it up, and you're able to make something really wonderful. Yeah. Better songs than like Cats too. Yes. Cats yeah. is the worst. It, it, yeah. It has more crossover potential, more a wider audience you can definitely reach with Annie than a cat's. But I think something the 99 uh, version changed as well, which, as I was saying, one of my favorite songs, NYC, that scene, um, 
And I believe in the, in the Broadway play, definitely in the 82 film and the 2014 film, they go to see a movie. It's just like they go see a movie. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in 99, they go to a Broadway musical, giving Rob another chance to do a big choreography. And they have Andrea McArdle, who was the original Annie on Broadway, come back in a cameo. So I feel like there's a lot more of this like homage to the essence of Annie in our right. 99 version than, than anything else that, that pays tribute to those humble, humble roots. Yeah. yeah I think, I, yeah. I, Sorry, go ahead. Guys. I think Annie is something to be revered in a way. I think Annie is, is something that you see as a child. It is one of your first musicals for a lot of kids. I think it's the moment one, they see themselves on stage and two, you start to see the grandeur of live, mm-hmm. uh, live performance. And uh, that's the magic. That's, you know, my favorite musical is probably a chorus line. And the piece from that, that, you know, it always stands out for everybody. Well, every grown up is at the ballet. And it's that same idea of being a little kid and seeing something so beautiful that it's like, or it's so big and beautiful and well choreographed, choreographed and, and large in the light that it's overwhelming but that you want to be a part of it. And I do think that that's the power that Annie holds. Um, maybe I was being a little too derisive with not high art, but that's all, that's really besides. No, I'm point. just defensive. And it's, it's totally the case of the things that you saw when you were 10 and 12 are high art. Like it yeah. is the highest of high. A walk to remember can do no wrong. Like those movies well, it's great, that it's great impacted work, you at that time. Yeah. It's, it, it's, 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 it's it is just kind of besides the point to me to even look at it that way because it's look it's it's a really important cultural piece it's evergreen right it's a perennial and uh you know it's comfort it's, food yeah it's it's, it's, it's to, to have a message i think yeah but it, you know, it, know. It, but it matters it ma- it really does matter and just like you know look you, you even you know just the the annie who is um, cast in this new one. You said her name was Celine. Selena uh, Smith. Selena Smith. Casting a new Annie. Whenever we yeah. cast a new Annie, is a cultural moment, and it matters. Yeah. And it's a it's often a moment for progressivism. It's also you know the last two major Annies have been black, and that's kind of a big thing. And you know, um, uh Wallace kind of. How do, did I say the name wrong? Kovanjane, I think. Kovanjane Wallace took like the arrows and slings um, for everybody because, you know, people like to throw arrows and slings at nine-year-old girls. But um, she broke down that door and that's probably the best Mm -hmm. legacy of that version. Yeah, for sure. But now you have... And she is a talented singer. She is good. We should mention that she is good in the 2014 Annie. The auto-tune, that is not on her. She's not the problem. She is giving her all. And she was already an Oscar nominee at that point. And um, no, yeah, she's she, great. She's the only piece of casting that makes any sense um, in that I film. Agree. I agree. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it is. It's an important thing. It's it, casting a new Annie is like, you know, it's like casting a new fucking Luke Skywalker or whatever. It also just feels like I, I so my parents are friends with um, one of the original producers of the Broadway Annie. And I, 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 you know, 
chatted with him about it over over the years periodically. But just the, the, to your point, Kenny, the sheer sort of evergreenness of this, the the fact that these songs are completely untouchable, that they are beloved in people's bones, that it that it transcends all generations, it transcends all you know various sort of types of people. That's an amazing thing. Like that's a truly powerful thing, and you know we should we should commend that. It's an amazing. It thing. all it's it just and then it's an interesting kind of Broadway unicorn in that it was Charles Strauss or or Strauss I think is how you say his name mm-hmm. um, or Strauss I'm not sure who uh, who wrote the music for this mm-hmm. and he's not your. Sondheim. He is not your Rodgers and Hammerstein. He is not even Andrew Lloyd Webber. He is not, you know, the 80% of show tunes people know were written by about seven people. And and he's not one of them. And I think that's un- very unusual. He wrote Bye Bye Birdie too, which is a big Broadway musical. But aside from that, like he's, he's a lesser known guy. So that's a kind of cool thing. This is not about Sondheim completists or Howard Ashman people like pushing this stuff to the forefront and being like, you have to listen to everything this person's done. This really stands on, stands on its own merits, I think. Well, there's been, I mean, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia right now. There have been 18 productions of this, Annie, in terms of on Broadway or various, you know, like theatrical productions of this. I mean, that's a, that's incredible. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's a, it's a cottage industry, Annie. Yeah. I don't have the stats, but I would imagine it's, it might be the biggest original Broadway musical success story, not the longest running or anything like that, but as far as adaptations, just uh, awareness in the general Mm -hmm. cultural conscious. Like I think, you know, Annie, the recognition that you could have asking a 10 year old about Annie, a 75 year old and in like rural Kansas and New York, like any people know Annie in a way that like even a bye bye birdie, that's much more of a theater. Like you have to be in, you know, kind of in touch with theater Mm -hmm. or or the old movie version to to be aware. But Annie just really transcends so many demographics. It's also like, yeah. For, forgive me for not knowing this. Uh, so it is based on a comic strip, uh, a comic yes. strip that I that I didn't know existed. Started, it Little launched Orphan uh, Annie, in, yeah. in Little Orphan Annie and Uncle Dan. I don't know who Uncle Dan is, but that's that's <laughs> the name of the comic. Um, uh, it launched in nineteen twenty four is when it it launched, uh, which is oh, incredible wow. to think. Um, yeah, it's so it's. I, there's a whole thing here that I that I didn't know nearly enough about, but just sort of like this this goes deep. I feel like this goes deep in sort of Americana and just sort of American culture that that Annie is in the DNA of this in this country in a way I, I really didn't know. Yeah, I think it it's, is. It's really it's really fascinating. Um, so. Uh, what we I don't know if you've listened to our episodes previously, actually, but at the end of every episode, we do a rating of uh, of our of the movie uh, from zero to ninety nine. Zero being the lowest, ninety nine being the highest. Fifty uh, percent is the threshold of recommending or not recommending. I think we're all going to recommend this, obviously. Uh, but we also do it twice. We rate it from before the podcast and after the podcast. So to see if there was uh, changes and if the discussion uh, mm-hmm. affected your rating in one way or another. So I'll go first. Um, hadn't seen this before. Uh, you know, as I said, the songs are incredible. I was really taken with it. I was surprised by how just like charming and lovely. And so I, I give it a 72 going into this, uh, into this podcast. Um, but this talk has made me like it more. 
I'm at, I'm at a 77 now. I think it's just a really good movie. Um, I, I really do think that like, I absolutely watch it again. It makes me, I definitely got to go see this. I got to watch this 82 version because it sounds like a horror show that I need to see. Um, and I, and, and also quite honestly, like I'm now kind of excited to see this live one, which is, uh, happening in December. Uh, theoretically, uh, if this, you know, yeah. who knows what exists in December, but hopefully it will exist in December. Um, but yeah, it was just, so I'm at a 77. I think it's, uh, I, I, I'm thrilled that you brought this to our attention. Um, and uh, this is great. What about you, Kenny? Where are you at? Well, I, yeah, I think it's interesting because I don't think I ever would have watched the, the live one uh, had I not watched this one and yeah. kind of... Same. Reminded, I was kind of reminded how much I love the songs. And I think that's a very cool thing about Broadway musicals in general, that it's never the story that brings me back. It's always the songs and waiting for those songs, waiting for those moments and those performances and the emotional component of it. And that's why I think despite the fact that Andy, I think, is kind of a narrative mess, uh, I think it's (laughs) such a such a potent piece of work. Because um, yeah. the the music and the emotionality of it are in the exact right place. Uh, I I mean I gave it an eighty four before the podcast because uh, I really truly loved it. And um, you know I, I don't going to go much higher eighty four. I, 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 maybe I'll go to like an eighty six. If that's pretty high, but I really loved it. Right. Like you you have to follow your heart on these things. And <laughs> I don't have much. I don't have much to say negatively about it aside from the fact that it's not high art but um it's, <laughs> it's not eyes wide shut but it's close so um i really i really do love it thank you ashley i don't think we would have done this otherwise so i think this is uh, I'm, I'm really happy it was a, well all the crap we watch it was really great to watch it a wonderful breezy hour and a half with like eight great numbers it was it yeah, the, was my the, pleasure. I'll just I'll just say before you rate it that uh, the double bill of Ride with the Devil and Annie was quite the whiplash <laughs> this week. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. If it was anything else, I if, I if I had to watch Blood Brothers or something, I would have blown my brains out. <laughs> Unfortunately, Ashley, there's, no, was your, uh, there's no Blood where, where, Brothers on TV at 99. So you saw this in 99. So we'd I'd actually love to hear what your rating of this was back then, and then what it is now. Is it perfect well, 99 I mean, back then? As you can tell, I'm extremely biased. I'm sure I sat in front of the TV and watched this live. I then bought the soundtrack, had the DVD, sure. you know, kept this in my in my consciousness for the next like five years or until it, you know, I, I clearly wasn't a cool child, but it was became excessively uncool to be watching my any DVD. Um, but uh, so I, I absolutely would have given it a 99. I would have, you know, I think as a kid, it was flawless to me. The songs, right. like I said, Audra McDonald, like for me, her voice, like that just, and, and even Kristen Chenoweth, like this kind of was the, my first introduction to these people. And then, you know, Kristen came out with her own kind of pop albums and different things. And I would buy those. And I, it introduced me to Broadway actors in a way that growing up in Florida, I had seen regional productions, but I wasn't in that world. I didn't, you know, this right. introduced um, me to a, a lot of material and people's work that I would not have encountered before. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I had been a big Titanic fan and we got Victor Garber and Kathy Bates back. Mm-hmm. Um, so true. Everything was going for it. I wanted to be Alicia Morton. Um, I loved it. Flawless. Absolutely. Now, oh. I hadn't seen it. Um, I, I don't think I had watched it since probably 2002 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's now on Disney Plus, which is handy. Is. So anyone who wants to watch it, you can go find it now. Um, 
when I rewatched it and I started rewatching it, um, I will say the beginning, I was like, oh, this doesn't really have the magic that I quite remembered, which often happens when you go back to something you loved as a kid. But then the best song, I think I'm going (laughs) to like it here, kicks in. And that big foyer scene in Daddy Warbuck's house with the the servants doing the choreography and Annie getting her little mini makeover and put in the little blue coat and then NYC and they go to the theater like, I like goosebumps. I love it. I live for that. Like that is what I want. I love a Disney, you know, feel good moment. And and I think when you talk about the messaging and stuff, like at the very least, it's not, there's nothing overly offensive about Annie. Like it can be bland, but there you could maybe, you know, take issues with the capitalist messages and stuff, but overall, it's okay like it's to, not, yeah. there's it's nothing. Okay to, to have fairy tales. It's okay to fantasize yes. about yeah. this stuff. That's not, that is a Cinderella story. And it totally. is just such a feel good watch now. So, okay. My rating, I don't know where, what point I, I rate the, the, the post podcast, because I will say during the research for the Annie for this podcast and finding out about the Audra McDonald, the kids stuff and some other racism like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That puts a damper in it. And when you start thinking about how they could have done better casting and been more inclusive, like sure. I think, you know, as an adult and, and, looking at the world as we do now, like I definitely would knock points off for that, especially when you know, I love Cinderella too. And and that was so wonderful. And then to see them take a step back. So maybe I go down to a, a 91, um, but I still like, I, and, and you're right. It's the music. It's, it's yeah. those songs they kick in and, and the vocals are wonderful in this version. Yeah. It, it, so good. it has that spark. Um so it's really, I, it is, it. yeah, it's it, the, the, the Broadway bona fides of this version really do kind of put it head and shoulders above any other version, it seems. Yeah, including Kathy. Well, Victor Garber, yeah, he's a stone cold Broadway man. Legend. Yeah. Uh, legend. I remember I saw him in, in Damn Yankees before I knew who he was, probably like <laughs> 25 years ago. I think that um, Rob Marshall worked on that with him as well. Like probably. that they were tied to that. Yeah. <laughs> The one character, the, the one actress I probably on paper would have been not thrilled about or was not thrilled about before I heard her was Kathy Bates, which felt a little bit like let's put a star in this role mm-hmm. instead of giving the role. Because that's, you know, that's that's a Broadway role, right? That That is a, a scene-chewing, big sure. Broadway actress role. She was great. I do think that there are dozens upon dozens of actors who could have done better, but it's not on her. Like it's a pet peeve of mine to give a singing role to someone who not that they can't sing, Mm. but that they can't sing as well as people who do this like on a regular basis. Like Sweeney Todd, Um, for instance, would would, would that fit in your, uh, or La La Land? Yeah. Yeah. La La Land's the one. La La Land is, I mean, (laughs) Ryan Gosling and La La Land is the one for me that really like sticks in my craw. Um, but I almost like I'm okay with Miss Hannigan being kind of an unhinged bad singer because it just adds to like oh this woman she's just yeah, bad all yeah, around yeah. like it adds to her yeah. kind of unraveling that her voice is not perfect <laughs> but it, it wasn't bad she she yeah. was good she's, she's but, good the yeah. legend the legend goes that she told Victor Garber while they were filming Titanic that she would love to do a movie musical one day and he put in a good uh, word with Rob Tom uh, Rob Thomas God Rob Marshall yeah. <laughs> and um and got kind of her foot in the door to do this so I think it was kind of like a personal passion project of Kathy Bates that she was like, that. this is my team. It's very cool. Um, I love rather that. than and just doing it for the money. Like, I think she yeah. really loved it. 
and, and an ABC Wide World of Disney, uh, Wonderful World of Disney, Sunday Night Musical. There are more, there are more offensive things than to to do sure. it there, like like <laughs> like Ryan Gosling in La La Land in a role that should have gone to someone who's worth their whole fucking life for a role like that. But yeah, yeah, no, I hear that. Um, yeah. Well, that's what that's what drives me nuts. There's so many fucking sorry, not to rant. There's so many people who's like war who have worked their whole lives for singing and dancing performances like that and they come along every like four fucking years and to give it a ryan gosling now i thought emma stone was great and i loved her in it so it's not her like of course there are hollywood actors who can pull it off come on all right that's it right now he did start on the mickey mouse club like he did have a little he was a great dancer he in theory was a good child singer i don't know that he kept up his craft over the years but he does have a bit of that background to give him credit listen i I don't actually i I, kenny and i've talked about this a lot because la la land is one of kenny's daughter's favorite movies i'm not mistaken or she likes to watch it certainly come around on it i'm the same way i saw it in the theaters right after the election and I was just like yes pump this into my veins like sure and then I kind of soured on it and now I've come back to it and I, I just think it's a nice movie I, I just don't think it you know it's it's it has it's to be great. thankful it didn't win best picture if it won best picture it would be denigrated so much yeah. more than 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 it already is no great, no but. movie has ever benefited more from losing <laughs> Um, what, wait, one thing, if I can just say one more thing about Annie Please. that I realized we forgot to mention that I yeah. feel is kind of an important part of its place in um, pop culture ongoing is that this version of Tomorrow, Alicia Morton in 99, is what Ryan Reynolds used in Deadpool 2 for the shootout <laughs> scene. So Ryan Reynolds clearly recognizes this as the definitive Annie yeah. that we yeah. should all look to. It's fair. It's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Annie with us, Ashley. We really, really appreciate it. And and we hope that you'll come back in the future and talk about something else. Music, movies, TV, whatever. We're, 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 I, we're I would thrilled. love it. I would thank love you, it. Ashley. Thank you for having me. One last thing. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989. Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Yon Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.